0: And let me just pray, and then we'll get these guys going. Um, So God, I thank you that you are with us this morning. Thank you that you are always with us. Thank you that you fill all places with yourself. So come be here today. Come be with us. It's great that we can sing, and we can gather, we can eat together, and we can be with you. So come, Lord Jesus. Amen. no thanks casey Thank you. um so uh eden is homesick with covid which is um why she's not here doing this right now but um on her behalf i will pray for carter who's a friend of ours um who is gonna speak and we're gonna move this way just the hair so we don't interfere with the speaker cool cool all right so God, I thank you for Carter, and I thank you for what you've given them to share with us this morning. Thank you for their creativity, their skills, their words, their heart, and uh, I pray, God, that you would um, give Carter as much fun sharing as we will have in the receiving of it. Amen.
1: Yes, party on. Good morning, everyone. Um, Hi, Zoom. Um, If you don't know me, I'm Carter. Uh, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm very happy to be here, especially for... Um, the Pride service at the bridge. So happy Pride, woo. Um, it was great being at the Pride Festival in atmosphere yesterday. It was actually in Mission, but it was wonderful. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. And yeah, this is our Pride Sunday. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I love the bridge so much. And I I'm kind of knew, I mean, I first got to know the bridge through Karina's Bible study last summer. Um, it was like an LGBTQ topic and um all about kind of the weapon- weaponization of scripture and against you know gay people and all that and it was so powerful for me um especially during the pandemic and yeah just getting involved with the affirming service here last fall um getting involved with the young adults group at Karina's house um, they are such lo- lovely hosts um i love them so much and attending the young adults pride party a few weeks ago which i mean again it's like i'm so moved that um they want to make you know pride a season of, kind of Christian joy and um, so I was very meaningful for me and I know for a bunch of others um, and yesterday I was at the booth um, for the bridges um, little kind of welcoming um, thing we were passing out waters at pride and it was great um, so I'm very happy to be here um, it's definitely a bit weird to be <laughs> to be speaking at a church especially as like a gay non-binary person and like um, I've been to Bible school I've been in Christian circles all my life and Um, this is definitely like something that it's surprising and also fun so um, yeah I mean I'm at the point where I'm unsure and uncertain about a lot of things but it's reassuring for me that we you know we're not individually made in God's image I mean we are but we're also collectively so we can hold each other's beliefs together and when one of us you know forgets something we can love each other back into um, love and so that's what I'm really grateful for today Um, so yeah we can hold the different difficult parts for each other as the last song that was played. Um, Amazing song. I know that it moved me to tears last time. Um, So yeah, and I just wanted to kind of share about a little bit about me. Um, I mean, I'm very privileged. I'm an able-bodied white person with a Christian Mennonite background, so very easy kind of growing up in that circles um, in Abbotsford. So Um, I have a generous family. I have lots of friends that, you know, are are wonderful to me. And um, I've been able to study at a private university, Trinity Western. Um, Yeah, and the list goes on. So in other ways, I've lived with less privilege. Um, I didn't ask to be different growing up. I didn't ask to be gay or effeminate or, you know, feel uncomfortable with my assigned gender. I didn't ask to have to reckon for years um, in choosing between my identity and my faith. That's a false dichotomy if you don't know. I didn't ask to have to prove the validity of my faith and identity, apologetic style, um, to those closest to me. I didn't ask to be marginalized in the spaces that I thought were safe faith spaces. I didn't ask for any of that. And um, I'm not alone, only in the last few years with plenty of queer people in my life who have really loved me back to life. Also the Lowens, I mean, shout out to them. Um, and I've learned to be proud of what once really, really haunted me, um, tormented me. And, and I've, become to, I, I've been able to embrace the most Vulnerable parts of myself. So I'm really proud of that. Happy pride. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit of um, a poem I wrote last uh, in 2019, actually, and it was published last year in our school's um, literary journal, which is kind of crazy. I mean, it's a Christian University. Um, but yeah, it's called Church Queers and Other Almonds. So what a title. Um, so You know, then back then 2019 I thought I had to be either straight or celibate like single um, for my life and I was feeling incredibly conflicted um, by my fundamentalist upbringing. I put on a great smile so no one really would know, but I felt profoundly um, and incredibly alienated inside and I didn't know, you know, who I really was and and was dealing with a tremendous amount of religious shame and uh, a lot of burdens. So this poem was. Um, published last year and it's a seven stanza sonnet sequence. Shout out to my English majors. I know McKenna's on Zoom. Um, in many ways, it's a letter to my younger self, um, but also just like a reflection of what I was dealing with. So um, if it's on the screen, I can start reading it. Um, okay. I rework my docile childhood portrait while the eyes about me close to pray. I peek through the Baptist fog of corporate prayer while the preacher's words turn gray. With hisses of holy hellfire, I used to frolic about the aisles to poke the grumpy geezer in the back, not amused. Slide handrails and twirl round the stage in a queer way. In his blessed name we say amen. Eyes unfastened back to the cruel moments where implanted into one pot of men, foretold beige fate with one woman. Almonds of restoration crawl while pacified below God's ground to be soon uncovered. Before we'd perched like birds on a power line, we drove over hills foggy with fears of winter's black ice. Along those streets, our Sunday ears could hear no secular cheers. Music shunning would not stop its charmed hooks plucking my attention. The faded bend to Bieber. Not straightened by the hymn book's classic verses. If I was your boyfriend, I'd never let you go. Reverberates through the windy vacant chapel. The roof lifts. Be thou my vision evaporates elsewhere. I can perch with birds aloof on a power line in the free air, coolly with a strong breeze and earworms unruly. We were all dogs back then, waiting for treats. Even the rapper was a privilege. Those mystical melodic ancient beats of memorized verses took advantage our fresh tongues. Little did we realize we sung chants of otherworldly longing like a flock of songbirds tripping for prize treats, reprises for normalcy, falling for another recital, another performance of the beliefs unbelieved. God made them male and female, I stutter out. Old incantations may be bereaved. I will possess myself. Charm me, entreat me. New capacities, new height, new beat. To hear the pink whining boy spout truth, hushed to silence behind our blameless spot, things unfolded. Rand, pacifier. Ruth breathed into his ear. So why have you bought all this in your purse? It's inessential. Rand sticks it between his lips. The prescription for church queers. I keep my cravings special to myself for this stony beige mission, or else risk the glum fate of the infant's plight a row behind us, presentable only in his pacified state. Distance to one's passions is key for this fable. Sadly, the end won't appease crybabies this time. I'll learn truth alone on my knees. Dredging my closet like a grave digger, I emerge from the depths with neutral hues. Nothing bright or loud. Keeping my vigor, I placate the forces that buy me shoes. Beige dress for Beige Sundays, Beige skies, Beige songs, Beige chastises, Beige God, Beige ties, Beige sighs, Beige draws near those strict pews clothed upright, Wrongs, Beige camouflages, Beige poise never cries. Up atop the Beige tie a propped up skull, A man hung to higher orders, Wires to stay straight each Sunday processional, A string of erect bodies, choiring members, Cutting the knot round my neck, I sever my ties to this graveyard living treasure something fumes under these pews tremors boom david's fall samson's eyeballs joseph's rainbow shawl tattered linen splattered perfume mopped up what a shame but there's a stain greater under there. gaze left to be tread stones have already spoke they've tried and been put to trial officially declared dead under pews avenging will begin with unbridled babies beneath the pews where they cry weep past traditions tribute taboos booze news tattoos appropriate shoes woes to those who do not laugh to those whose pews are planted places those for the ones though for the ones underneath pews undone it has begun peeled polish on the communion table i'm glazing over Though i remember to sit on the pew will i be able to drink this cup in frozen november longing to see through young eyes how i used to carry my communion like god lay in my hands touching the thimble of juice and toy cracker like a costly entree or a newborn hatchling before it could soar my gut anchors me down those crackers crumbs are miles away mother come and conceive of queer me let your pure lungs breathe me to life i'm remembered among pieces meeting upon every tongue so that's the poem um thank you I'm really proud of it um so that's queer church queers and other almonds um and that young self that thinker thoughtful kid I write about in I I write about in church pews torn with their faith and identity is still with me in many ways today and I can show you it's with all of us you know each of us has our our young selves with us in every place we go and yeah with that said I want to get into the passage of this week which is psalm 72 um, which I think is also a poem for David's younger self. It's written um, when David's king and he's passing off the torch to Solomon, um, who's soon to be king. Um, so I'll read from the women's lectionary for the whole church, um, which so Gaffney, the author uses the word ruler for um, throughout the Psalm. And I, I also use, and it uses, um, yeah, uses ma- uh, different pronouns in the masculine um, just to broaden the scope of the, the Psalm beyond male monarchs. Um, but yeah, okay. So Psalm 72. And it skips some verses, but I'm reading from this translation. God, give give the ruler your justice and your righteousness to a ruler's son. May the next ruler judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains raise up well-being for the people and the hills righteousness. May the ruler do justice for the poor of the people, grant deliverance to those born in need, and crush the oppressor. For the ruler delivers the needy when they call the oppressed, and those who have no helper. The ruler has pity on the poor and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, the ruler redeems their life and precious is their blood in the sight of the ruler. Blessed be the fount of justice, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be her glorious name forever. May her glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. Okay, so this psalm, um, yeah, so David is blessing um, for his blessing and, pr- and praise for his son Solomon to be a good and better ruler, even than him. Um, so there's a few ways that this psalm can be read, you know, as a, a prayer of a, a father to son, parent to child. Um, it was penned by David when he was really, really old. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of a, a blessing. Um, it can also be read as a prayer of a ruler for their successor. Um, you know, David had executed judgment and justice during his rule and now he prays that his son might do the same um it's also a prayer for the subjects you know because psalms were read and and in synagogues and um sung together so you know david penned the psalm for the use of the people um that they might pray for solomon pray for the ruler um i also think you know this prayer this psalm reminds me um you know of advice to your younger self so I, so if you don't know, I, um, I'm at Trinity Western, and I co-lead 1TWU, which is this queer network for um, LGBTQ people and allies, alumni, students, all that. And we did an event in fall 2020, which I um, co-planned, my friend, and it was called A Gift to My Younger Queer Self. And queer alumni shared their stories and things they might have said to their younger selves. And in many ways, after kind of reflecting this week, you know, this feels like, feels like that. Um, and so I love percolating over this and I was thinking back to an old roundtable question We didn't do one today, but we usually do a little question at the beginning of services And I was thinking about, you know, this one that said, would you rather ask a question or have the answer? And I was thinking because I right in the moment I was like, I love the question I'm like I don't really care for the answer and so <laughs> This really this kind of like I love questioning things and you know growing up conservative evangelical um, I harsh like I loved and hated. It was like a frenemy thing. Apologetics, you know, answers to everything, but also there's so much more to learn. And anyways, I was so curious about the questions and sometimes the answers were so blunt and kind of like, I was still searching for more. Like what's, what's beyond the answer? Um, so yeah, evangelical answers around justice and oppression were especially aggravating. Um, so I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if any of you grew up like me with the Christian answer that all things will be solved and justice restore you know heaven's coming either when Jesus comes again or when we die, so I was wondering if that's your story too what were you, what did you grow up with? um I was also thinking, you know what did justice mean for yourself, and what does it mean now? you know what do you think of justice now? Um, what might it mean for us in the future so months ago, I remember having a Taryn's in the audience. And we were talking about what the gospel means for us now after deconstructing and coming out, um, you know, going to Bible school, you know, being in all these Christian circles, Christian churches. After years of dedication and volunteering and center services, we had become exhausted, or I had become exhausted, especially um, disillusioned by theology and Christian homophobia and frustrated with conservatism of all sorts that kept on just persisting. Um, So for me, I've struggled to articulate what the gospel means. And we were talking about what does the gospel mean to us now? So, you know, how could I recover a faith that I was so confident confident in for so long? And so I remember Taryn referencing Luke 4, 18 to 19, but she quoted it as, the gospel is the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. And I just love that. And so, yeah, so it the verse goes, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to pro- proclaim the good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of state for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So I love that articulation and I love that justice centered gospel. Um, so conversations like these over the last you know, month, year has helped me realize that it wasn't necessary to recover my old faith entirely Um, in the exact way my child self saw things I had changed I had grown into myself and I didn't need to answer all my questions about God and life to keep my faith Um, I think about Micah 6 8 about justice so what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God so yeah like in Psalm 72 David talks about oppression and injustice in a real in a very real now sense and Karina was talking about you know the kingdom of now the kingdom of now um of you know this is what matters like hell is on earth heaven is on earth and we need to bring heaven to you know now um yeah that he was praying for his kid solomon that he might uphold justice and strike down oppression where he saw it um so in verse 2 and 12 the people are afflicted or oppressed through a poverty that is imposed on them through unjust means um and the language of saving and redeeming kind of tricky for me sometimes um in verses 12 to 14, it refers to people's literal lives, not kind of this metaphorical heaven, like, yeah, systematic theology thing. It's like this, you know, the leader's economic policies, for example, are like a matter of life and death. And the ruler has the power to save or redeem someone's quality of life. Um, so when, when Christians say, Jesus saved you, like, for me, for me, it rings almost completely hollow, because what does that really mean, like? especially when they insist on policing queer identities and how we express ourselves as people, um, even to us non-queer people, like it's, it's, it's frustrating because it feels like it means nothing. Um, but I want saving to mean something, for real. Like I want real tangible justice. I want a faith that follows love rather than power. And Sarah was talking about this with me, like, yeah, a faith that follows love. Um, and by that, I mean, like I want a faith that welcomes people's full selves to the table, welcome our full self to the table. Um, I want a faith that's less concerned about religious freedom and more concerned about um, a healthier version of faith for us now, rather than in the afterlife. Um, I wish I didn't go through what I went through. Like, I wish I didn't have a faith that started with hell. I wish I didn't have a faith that used fear to manipulate and control others, to control me, that made me indoctrinate myself with things that I, you know, regret now. I want a faith that doesn't hyper-focus on controlling and policing people's gender and sexuality. Um, I want a faith that follows love, that welcomes the full self of others um so there's a few things that i would that i I wish i'd written or that i want to kind of write to my younger self if my younger self could receive that um a few things to not follow the image of a christian um as what they're supposed to be as much as to follow love itself wherever it may lead um focus less on needing to be right um or better than others or christian enough more on empathy and action um another thing to obsess less about the do's and don'ts of the bible and more on the spirit of the bible I tell myself that church isn't right on everything as you think it may be. It's not all perfect, especially when it's dressed up and smiling and in good clothes and presented in a well-lit room with lights. Critical thinking needs to happen there. Um, And I wonder what sentiment we could communicate to our younger self about justice, um, about the gospel, about God. Sometimes following love means to question the very systems and religious institutions that God is supposedly endorsing. Sometimes following love may mean fleeing from a supposedly sacred thing or a faith space. Following love and pursuing justice may mean unlearning and dismissing fundamentalist theologies that cause direct harm to marginalized people. Um, for example, I did not expect that love would lead me to co-lead an LGBTQ support group at my school at a Christian university and mentor queer students. There, um, to me, they are really the afflicted ones within my sphere of reach. Um, And I did not expect that following love might lead me to critique and call in my university, you know, in our school's newspaper over the last year for, you know, a bunch of things, for its misuse of power, for its treatment of queer students over the years, for conversion therapy, for its treatment towards faculty who don't subscribe to the narrow theological worldview that it promotes, I did not think this was falling love at first. I did not think that love was leading me that way. I thought it was just my own, I don't know. I didn't think it was a God, God-related thing. I thought it was my secular social justice brain um, driving this, but it was, really, <laughs> it was really led by love, by the spirit of God. And I'm trying to learn that and, and relearn that. And yeah, I, I mean, I want justice for my friends um, that have been through the ordeal of conversion therapy and I have a bunch of them. Um, I want justice for the queer and questioning at my university who are forced to reckon with that false dichotomy again and again, um, that makes them choose between their identity and their faith, um, between their family and themselves. And it makes me sick that there are kids still in unsupportive queer uh, religious families. And I wish I could write them each a heartfelt letter, you know, that that struggle isn't forever. And that there are people waiting to love you as you are. um, And there's pride for each of us that need it. And I think pride is important for that reason. We can each learn about justice, reclamation, freedom, joy from pride. There is abundant life and freedom beyond strict labels and law of what our younger selves once knew. And I think, you know, we can all learn from that. Love has led me to stand in solidarity with the queer student whose parents have rejected them. To work with a newly out trans student who lives in an unsupportive housing or dorm situation. Love leads me to the queer student who introduced their partner to their parents and were reprimanded instead of whatever. Or the closeted person who's desperate for resources on reconciling their faith and identity. And there's many more difficult situations, many more. Um, what makes it worse is they are each beautiful, beautiful people, uh, each with unique and lovely souls who have been deeply hurt by Christians and so-called Christian theology that insists on leaving your flamboyance and you know uniqueness at the door. Championing and partnering with these students is for me is justice. They remind me of young me who wanted to be to belong so badly. And guess what? I mean, there's people who are ready to love you as you are. And I've discovered that time and time again, and it surprises me and it's beautiful. And there are people that really, really get it. So when I think of justice, I think of what young closeted Carter deserved. And I think. I needed a faith that understood all kinds of bodies and genders warrant love. All of us. And we each have our own sense of where love may be leading us. So, you know, think about that question for yourself. Where might love be leading you? Um, Justice may look different for your circle of relationships. And that's why we need each other um, to complete that image of God and to complete what justice means and the gospel means for us. So I have a few questions um, before I read my last poem, because I have another poem to share. Um, What if justice meant to follow love? What if justice was an everyday practice of acknowledging our own whole selves, and with that, embracing others' full selves? How can we be changed by this? How would we act differently? And what if justice is local? What if love is near, even in our bodies? What if it starts with ourselves? you know, healing and um, dealing with our own traumas and, and religious abuse and recovering. You know, maybe we've been the, our own worst enemy to ourselves. I know I have been my worst enemy to myself, especially as I was in that or those early stages of coming out and reconciling those different parts of myself. What about the earth? What about, you know, in some ways the ultimate afflicted one? How might love lead you there? Where might love draw you? How might your practice of, of paying attention to where love may lead you? How might that change your life? So I wanted to close with another poem that I wrote last year while feeling isolated and alone, like many of us during the pandemic. And definitely wasn't feeling that much pride in myself. So this poem is a result of imagining better days, kind of like today, um, for pride celebrations like these. And so kind of reading this is a dream come true for me. So, if it's on the screen, okay, queer futures. And it's referencing um, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. So, if you know that poem, then you'll recognize some of the lyrics interspersed throughout it. When I close my clobbered, beating eyes, I find quicksilver queer futures. I see clouds of blue break through, so pretty in the sky, bending low to bloom those ruby red roses too. I see us purple people, pleased in paradise purposed by proxy, painting our pains, refashioning our stains, taking on the reins of the rainbow. With a hand on my breast, I imagine the pretty pink laughs of people going by, our cherry chests rising, inhaling, falling, exhaling as one. I see us yellowing away, the sour sorrows, those acid aches of our bronze bruised backs, spiriting our burnt orange bodies past toxic tracks towards tonics of joy. Stilling my body, I feel our glossy green loves brush each other. We're fields of friendly flora. When the bitter, breezy morning dawns, our ripe resolve soars up fresh beyonds. The colors of the rainbow shine on our faces as the royal blue rain streams down. Those threats of burning sulfur are only a memory. Born of cursed queer past, these chromatic visions are like quicksilver sutures from my bleeding heart. Oh, these are near futures. So that's queer futures. And yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that is all I have. And it was a pleasure to share for you today. Eden here. Uh, I think it's a declaration of sorts. Um, she just said, I have learned it helps to think of justice as treating everyone as an individual, not necessarily treating everyone the same. That's why pride is so important. The LGBT two plus community needs to be celebrated and individuated. We see you. I love that. I love that. A lot.
2: That's beautiful. Okay, so with that, I will uh, just give the last. Announcement next week. Every we're all on Zoom together. So if you are not on the list and you would like the Zoom link, you can just shoot an email to office at thebridgeonline.ca, and you can get added to that. We just send out uh, email once a week with announcements, and then there's another email that will give you the weekly Zoom link. It's the same link every week. Pro tip. Um, and then the week after that will be our Selfie Sunday, which is where we don't meet at all in a gathered service way, but rather we practice intentional community and then just for fun, hashtag it because, you know, this is the era we live in uh, with the um, Selfie Sunday thing there. So next week, Zoom, week after is a Selfie Sunday. And then August 4th, we're back together. So and
0: Sarah would like to say something. I just want to pray for us as we go and say, please eat more cupcakes on your way out. Take one to go. Um, And if you can help set down chairs, that'd be awesome. Thank you for joining us on Zoom this morning. It's been fantastic to have you, she says, looking directly at the camera. Um, So let's just pray. God, I thank you for these fine folk that have gathered here today. Send us out to love you, to love others, and to love the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you his peace in every single way. Amen.